So, um, you know, they're really enjoying uh, everything that Highlands is about so far. So thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, I just want to say that the, the elders here and the leadership here has just been so generous and loving uh, and kind and all those who helped, helped move us into our house. I see some of your faces here. Um, it was interesting because when we moved uh, our stuff up here, um, sorry, it's loud because of the kids. That's my daughter. <laughs> she, she has one volume <laughs> and it's loud. And when it's six o'clock in the morning, it's very loud. Uh, I'm a grump in the morning, so you don't want to be around me in the morning, especially when there's little ones. So, um, <laughs> um, so as I was saying, uh, it took us the entire day uh, at our house in Ventura. It took us the en- entire day to load up the trailer and or the multiple trailers that we had uh, to bring all of our stuff up here with several people. Uh, it took us a little over an hour to unload everything into our new house. Um, so uh, it was very efficient. And we found ourselves at the end of, at the, at the end of the unload being like, well, well, what do we do next? We have all this time. We figured it was going to take all morning and it didn't take all morning. But, uh, you know, from, from our hearts, we just want to thank you for, for your love and your support and your kindness towards, towards us. And, uh, we hope to reciprocate that in the coming days and years, uh, as we are here. So thank you all. Um, you know, just, uh, just as we start this morning, just a few important things, uh, for you guys probably to know about me. First, my favorite color is green, so has nothing to do with, you know, uh, four-leaf clovers or anything like that, or Irish holidays, I just like green. Um, I am a big kid at heart, uh, I like to play, I like to have fun, uh, and I hope to do that with you, and I hope that you get to be a part of that with our family. Uh, we love being outdoors, we love exploring, we like doing things new, uh, we like tasting new foods, that's another thing about me and my wife. Uh, we love food, which we have already noticed is really dangerous for us here because there's so many good places to eat. Uh, it's affecting our our physical <laughs> appearance and our pocketbooks. So, um, yes, we love to explore new things. Uh, I'm also passionate about coffee. Uh, so any coffee drinkers out there? Yes? Anybody have a natural affinity? Toward- okay, good. I love coffee. But I do not, I'm not one of those people about with coffee where I'm a coffee snob where it's like, hey, that's Folgers, I'm not going to drink that. I do not show partiality when it comes to coffee as well, even though I do enjoy a good cup. So if you come up to me and say, hey, it's only Folgers or it's only this, I'll be happy to drink it. So, um, And on a more serious note, and, and a lot of you may not like me because of this, but I am also a Dodgers fan. And I am in enemy territory here. I know I'm in enemy territory. And my wife keeps telling me, are you going to convert? Are you going to convert to be a Giants fan? And I just can't do it. I'm not one of those people where I'm, uh, you know, a fan that blows in the wind wherever I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that team. But on the other, on the other hand of things, you know, I do, I do like sports in general. So I will, I will vote, not vote, but I will, you know, support the Giants when they're not playing the Dodgers. <laughs> but when they are playing each other, I'm not going to support the Giants. So, um, but on a more serious note. Um, also, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person where I'm real, and the reality is, is I can be stubborn, I can be insensitive, uh, I can be selfish, I can be rude, um, I have pride, uh, and I am a broken sinner, uh, and that is the reality. And, and the reason I say all this, and the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm just like any other person, and I'm just like anybody else in this room. Like everyone else, else in this room, I am in desperate need for God's grace every day of my life. And I say this because as we think about the future of this church and its ability to impact the lives of those who are in Calistoga and these surrounding areas, it will not be because of how wonderful I am or about how wonderful any one of us are in this room. 
but it will have everything to do about how wonderful Jesus is in us as, he is, as we are God's redeemed people in this place. And that is just the plain fact of things. And uh, as God has placed us here, I want to say that we are here for a reason. We are here for a purpose. Highlands Christian Fellowship has a purpose here in Napa County and in Calistoga. And my hope for all of us is that God wants us to be all in on his mission in this place. My hope as a, as a new staff pastor is to bring clarity around and a passionate commitment to that mission in this place. That we would proclaim the goodness and the majesty and the beauty of our Savior. As we think about what Christ has done in our lives, that we would be living examples of those things. And then it wouldn't be, hey, Noah's so great, he's such a great pastor, or any of one of us, or even my daughter Pearl. That every beautiful thing that we see in this world comes as a result of the author and perfecter of the one who, who gave us these things. And that is God himself. And so this morning, I want us to turn to Scripture. And we're going to take a look at some of the essential components of the mission that God has called us to. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3 this morning. Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to be looking at specifically verses 11 through 26. But in order to do it good, give it do, its due justice, I want to look at the entirety of chapter 3. And we'll read, I'll read the entirety of chapter 3. It's not too long. So, would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame for, from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when, we see, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but I, what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety we made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you disown the holy and righteous one and ask for a murder to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, 
And that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Fathers, we come before your word this morning, God. I pray that you would teach us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. God, that you would give us insight and understanding. But more than that, Father, that that would sink into our hearts and into our lives and actually make a real difference. So God, I pray that we would soften our hearts to listen to you today. That we would be receptive. That we would lay down our pride and our selfishness and our own strength, Lord. And recognize what we need from you this morning. We love and we pray you these things in your name. Amen. Now, as we look at the, bat, the book of uh, Acts, there's just a couple of contextual things. In the first chapter, we see that as Christ uh, ascends into heaven, he promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. They're, they're, continuing to, they're continuing to be devoted to the mission of Jesus Christ, where he says, wait, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. And as they receive these power, this power, they, they go out and fulfill this very mission that Christ had called them to, to be witnesses, to be messengers from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it, good news it is. And in chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there, uh, where the power was poured out through tongues, and it was served as a witness in Judea, in, in Judea there, And then Peter is given an opportunity to give a sermon about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished through his death and through his resurrection. And we see in chapter 2 that that first mission starts with 3,000 being saved, becoming disciples of Jesus Christ and following him. In chapter 2, again, we see the early community of the Christian church. We see things like unity where needs are being fulfilled. And we see a picture or reflection of God's restored creation in the context of Christian community. We, th- we see characteristics like humility, prayer, joy, worship, reverence, all happening within this context. And they devoted themselves continually to the mission that Jesus Christ had called them to follow and go after. Now as we enter into chapter 3, we see here, as Peter and John go to the temple as good Jews, to pray in the temple, we see that there's a lame man present there. And it's in the power and in the name of Jesus Christ that he heals them. And this healing, again, reflects the very mission of Jesus Christ. We see as the, the Holy Spirit comes, it comes in power as a result of this healing. And it serves then as a witness to proclaim the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. It acts as a testimony, a verification And at each step of the way, the gospel is being proclaimed. The message of Jesus is going forward. And as we look at our setting in verses 11 through 26, we see that Peter follows this pattern. He heals the lame man, and he uses it as a a validation, as a reality for what has happened through his son, or through his Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, as we look at our, our passage, we see in verse, six, verse 16 is, is a central theme. There we see that this verse really encapsulates the, the center of our passage. So, by faith in his name, his name has made this man strong. So the first question we want to ask this morning is, what is the relationship between the name of Jesus Christ and faith? What is the relationship between the name of Jesus Christ and faith? It is, is it the faith that made this man strong or is it the name of Jesus Christ that made this man strong? And we see in this context that faith is the acting agent or the cause while the name of Jesus Christ is the source or origin of the power which caused this action to happen. And we might relate it to something like electricity. Now, uh, some of you uh, live in your house and you have electrical appliances and you have electrical things and those are all connected to a socket which has a wire running from a panel to that socket. In the same way, electricity, there's a wire that is the conduit which administers the power. Likewise, we see that as an act of faith. While electricity is the source of that power, we see that as the name of Jesus Christ. And we see those two things acting together. The conduit which, which brings the power and the name of Jesus Christ, which is the source of that power. Whose faith is being spoken of and where does it find its source? We read that in the second part of verse 16, so the faith that comes through him has given him perfect health in front of you all. The lame man was not looking to put his faith in Jesus Christ. He was looking for his physical need to be met, right? He's sitting at the, the gate called Beautiful. And he asked for alms. The faith being spoken of here is not the lame man's faith, but Peter's faith, who performed the miracle. Is it really Peter's faith, though? I would contend that it's not. The through him in this verse refers back to the name of Jesus Christ. And the point is this. Not only was Jesus Christ the source of the miracle, He also provided the faith that was necessary to even accomplish that miracle in the first place. So then, what does this in the name of Jesus Christ mean? Well, when we think about names in our our current context, in our current culture, uh, I think about my own self and when we named our kids. Uh, It was was a pretty interesting process. Uh, You know, my wife and I, uh, you know, you look at name books and you're like, oh, this one sounds good, this one sounds good. With our daughter Pearl, we were laying in bed one night and Michelle just spits out, Pearl. I'm like, yep, that's it, right? Uh, A lot of times when we think about names in our current culture or context, we think, hey, that sounds good. Or that's hip, that's cool, right? I mean, right now, the current, with, with our friends, the current thing to do is find the most unique thing, right? Find the most unique name, right? And so when we look at, to our friends around us, they have all these obscure names because nobody wants to be, have the same name as, as another person over here. It's like a negative thing. Uh, but the process is interesting. It doesn't communicate something or anything behind a simple identification. Now, the church was consumed, the early church was consumed and dedicated to the name of Jesus Christ, They were all about the name of Jesus Christ. They gathered and fellowshiped in the name of Jesus Christ. They worshiped the name of Jesus Christ. They received the the power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized in this name. They found identity in it. It was by this name that they received the forgiveness of their sins. And it was in this name that the lame man was healed. It was in this name that they were persecuted and preached salvation. It was this name that that God glorified yet man rejected. 
See, the name of Jesus Christ was something that was very important to the early church. Now, when we think about this in biblical terms, we look back to the Old Testament, we see it had a little bit of a different nuanced meaning. Israel believed in the significance of names. We look at Genesis, the book of Genesis. What does God do with Adam as he places in the garden? He gives him the animals to name. See, uh, to call something, to name things, exercise dominion or control. It showed uh, an element of power or authority over something. Likewise, that is why God gave Adam his very name, to demonstrate that God was over Adam. Now, when we think about God's name, we are told that God's name is Yahweh, the Lord. Now, in ancient Jewish customs, it was forbidden to even pronounce this name out loud. When you look at it in the Hebrew language, it's, it's Yahweh, it's Yohevavhe. Now, they wouldn't say Yahweh, they would say Adonai, out of respect and reverence for the almighty name of God. It carried weight, it carried authority. It was a gift of revelation. I mean, when we think about Moses and his life, God said, hey, you've known me in the past as God in general, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conceal, I'm going to reveal to you that my name is Yahweh. It, it bring, he brings him into this intimate understanding of his name. To call on it was to bear witness to his mission and purpose to who he was. See, when Moses, the patriarchs, when Jacob, Isaac, all of those who followed after uh, Abraham, all of the patriarchs, all the prophets, when they called on the name of the Lord, when they identified themselves with the name of the Lord, they, they put themselves in his camp. They identified with who he was in his power, but also in his mission and in his purpose. Now, in the New Testament, we see that this name goes, that naming goes on to relate to revelation. It's linked with the idea of glory. In John 12, 28, when we look at the life, work, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see it was about being about the name of God, making God's name great. And this refers to the fullness of Jesus Christ, his being, his work, his expressing of his mission. That his, who he was, was to the glory of the name of God himself. And ultimately, it embraces the whole content of God's saving act throughout salvation history. From the beginning of of what we call our Bible to the end of days. In summary, the name of Jesus himself embodies everything that God is, was, is, and is to come. His life, ministry, purpose, mission, everything about him was to invoke everything about who God was. It is in this name that Peter explains God's mission. As we said, as I said before, this name encompasses, this mission encompasses past, present, and future of all time. So let's look at those three elements. First, past. Jesus' mission is God's mission. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned to the, in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. See here, Peter invokes, especially in a Jewish mindset, when he says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's not talking about any God and the plethora of gods that existed within ancient Judea. He's talking about the one almighty God. And he, invo- he invokes these, these, these images of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our fathers. 
And for a, for a Jew in the first century, this would have been very powerful language. And he says, this God that you know, this God that you serve, this God that you follow, this God that you go to the temple to pray to, he has glorified his servant, Jesus. Past tense. He has glorified. Now this idea of glorified means to honor, to praise, to lift up, to approve. What is he saying? He's saying that the God that you serve, the God that you worship, He's the God that Jesus, that Jesus aligns himself with. And as Jesus aligns himself with, he is not only lifted up, but he is approved. Jesus is God's servant who aligns with God's purpose in this world and God's mission in this world. He was God in the flesh. And he was obedient to him perfectly. And when we look at how Jesus is described here in this passage, there's such just vivid imagery in the Old Testament. And one of the most prominent uh, imageries that we see in the Old Testament comes from Isaiah 53. As Isaiah uh, speaks about the suffering servant that would come to accomplish God's purpose, God's mission, to redeem and reconcile humanity back to him, we see a suffering servant in Isaiah 53. In the description that we see there, Isaiah says, He will be bruised for our transgressions. He will be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace will be laid upon his shoulders, and by his stripes we will be healed. He says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And And the language Peter uses here is the same imagery, the same language that we see from the Old Testament prophets. Verse 15, God raised him from the dead. Verse 22, God brought forth a prophet. Verse 26, God sent his servant to do what? To speak on his behalf, to be his mouthpiece, to bless and reconcile humanity back to God, to bring salvation, to accomplish the very things that we see in the Old Testament, that when when the prophets speak about the coming Messiah, to bring about the very things that that were promised in the past. See, Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of God's mission and purpose to redeem and reconcile not just humanity but all creation back to him. And that was in the past. And likewise, God's past mission incorporates humanity's mission. See, God God isn't surprised by our sin. He's not surprised by our brokenness. He's the God that sees all things. He's the God who not just looks on the external things, but he looks into the depths of our humanity. He looks into the depths of our heart, and he sees us just as we are. And verse 13, 14, and 15, we see that humanity's purpose was to deny God, to pursue unrighteousness, to turn from God. But that was part of God's plan too. He knew it would happen. He wasn't surprised by it. And that's why verse 18 says, what God predicted that the Messiah would suffer for in this way, he fulfilled. See, God saw that Jesus was the only answer to reconcile the the reality of sin in this world. To fulfill what was necessary to bring peace once again. To bring true life. To bring his creation back to him. Now, when we look at the the present component, we see the continuing or ongoing work of God, of God's mission through Jesus Christ. We see the continuing or ongoing work of God's mission through Jesus Christ. We see it directly in this passage. In verse 19, P. 
Peter says, therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In verse 26, we see a call to repentance, to turn, to face God, to come to him. We see that the purpose of this was to bring a blessing, to bring sanctification, to bring inward healing as a result of Jesus' work. And ultimately to bring the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit comes and it brings life. We see a, vi- a vivid picture of this in Acts 2.38. We see this ongoing present work of the ministry. And this also likewise incorporates humanity. See, Peter carried forth God's mission. And so did the disciples and all those after them. And all along, it wasn't about Peter. It was about God. As we look at those disciples, as as those early disciples, and as we look at history, we see that it is God's faith that is being provided. We see that it's God's power going forth. We see that it is God's message, God's words being proclaimed. God's leading. As As we look at this context, we look at this situation with the lame man, it was God's leading that brought Peter to even heal the lame man in the first place. See, the central theme of the book of Acts, isn't how awesome are the disciples. You realize that, right? When we look at the book of Acts, it's, hey, not how great Peter is, not how great John is, or the rest of the disciples, all the cool things that happened as a result of them. It's not about them. It's about God. It's about what he has done and what he is presently doing as we think about us today, what he's continuing to do in us and through us today. See, the disciples take the back seat. And God gets the glory because it is ultimately him that is bringing about these actions, these these things that are happening in in this New Testament church. But the cool thing is this, is just as it incorporated humanity in the past, it also incorporates humanity in the present. See, not only is he victorious over death and sin, but he utilizes those people who were once used as instruments of unrighteousness and he transforms them into be instruments to bring about salvation. That once people that were used as instruments of of bringing about death and sin into the world are now used as instruments to bring about redemption, life, and restored creation. Now when we look to the future, we see that that God's message, the gospel, his mission is comprehensive. It's not just past, it's not just present, but it's also future-oriented. And verse 20 through 21 We read about the future blessing looking forward to a time of restoration of all things. And we know that biblically that there will be a day where where Christ returns, where he will judge the quick and the dead, where he will reign supreme once and for all, where there will be a kingdom that will be established for all times, for all eternity. And we read in Revelations that there will be a new heavens and a new earth where Christ will rule And there will be peace once again. Peace with humanity, peace with creation. And that all the brokenness that we see in our world today, I mean, even on on the heels of what happened this week, so much hate, so much brokenness, so much hardship, that all of those things will be finished in Christ Jesus. As we look around our current setting and our current climate today, our hope must be rooted in, and the final reality of who Jesus Christ is. 
that we offer a message of hope. And this is the very message that they offered to a broken people, to a broken society. Now, as we think about this mission and this purpose that Peter models and demonstrates for us, and we think about, hey, what does this really mean for us today? I want to echo Peter's question. He says, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The question I want to pose to us simply this morning first is do we recognize that we serve a big God? See, I mean, the, the Jews, I mean, they had the testimony of all those who had gone before them, right? They knew the story of Moses and crossing the Red Sea. They knew how God, how God had delivered them, them from, from the hand of the, Israel, or the Egyptians and brought them into the land of Canaan. They knew all of the things that had gone before them that were handed down from, from generation to generation, speaking of the goodness and the miraculous intervention of the Almighty God. And here they're questioning the lame man would walk. How, how big is our God? I think oftentimes as Christians, uh, we have the same testimonies, don't we? We have, same, we have the same historical record. But so often, we pray and act like God isn't who he says he is and who we know him to be. Are we expecting him to show up or are we waiting for him to disappoint us? Does our theology match the way that we truly live? And I must confess, mine doesn't. And I'm willing to think that a lot of us, that's the same case. We serve a big God, a God of power that can do things beyond our wildest imaginations or dreams for the sake of his kingdom and for his glory. Do we believe that? Do we live that? And my second question, do we tend to resemble more of a pre-Pentecost Peter or a post-Pentecost Peter? We tend to resemble more of a pre-Pentecost Peter or a post-Pentecost Peter. When we compare the two, you know, how much more was Peter's life consumed with the mission and purpose and the power of Jesus Christ in his life? We think about Peter before Jesus' death and resurrection. We think about him after. Peter seemed like he was always getting it wrong. He was always screwing up. He was always asking the wrong things, slicing people's ears off, right? And it's just like, Peter, what's going on with you? And after the resurrection, something changed in him. He had vision. He had clarity. He knew what his purpose was and he was not scared to go after it. And I think that the difference in his life was his love for Jesus Christ. Something changed about his love for Jesus. Now after Christ's death, you remember he sat with Jesus and Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times. And I would contend that, that Peter's failure drove him into the arms of his Savior. He fell in love with him in a way that he had not previously because he recognized that he could not come to Jesus in any other way than in brokenness and despair, realizing that what he had to offer was never enough. He couldn't slice off enough ears. He couldn't, he couldn't go after all the, all the wrong things enough in his life to earn what God could potentially do through him and in him 
because of, but because of his relationship and his love with his Savior. See, I think Christ was ultimately the source of his strength, his confidence, his power, his faith, his boldness, because he knew he had nothing else to offer. I think as Peter came to Jesus, his love was transforming his life in a way that was, was not happening previously. And my question this morning is, are you loving Jesus above all else in your life? See, Peter was sold out for his Savior. He knew. Nothing else matters, right? I'm all in on Jesus. I am fully in love. I am about pursuing him, running to him, and living for him in all aspects of life. Brothers and sisters, we must be doing the same thing. Are we in love with our Savior? Is he the the greatest object of our heart's desires? Are we falling into love with the things around us, with the leaders around us, with whatever it is that is around us other than the one person that truly matters? And that is our Savior. See, when we are fully in love with our Savior, when we are all about Him, it's easy to fully live for Him because it's not obligation. It's not like we feel like we need to earn it. We live for Him because we love Him because He is the greatest object of our heart, the greatest desire of our heart. And I would also want to say this. You know, uh, Peter didn't allow his failures to drive him away from his Savior. And I think oftentimes, and and I struggle with this myself, where my shame, my guilt, my brokenness over, over my sin makes me feel like I'm unworthy to approach him. Peter didn't allow that to happen. See, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to think. It's exactly what the darkness wants us to think. That you're not good enough. That you can never, you can never be good enough to come to Jesus. And so I think a lot of times we, we keep Jesus at arm's distance. We keep him at arm's length. Are you allowing your failures to push you further into intimacy? Or are you allowing those things to drive you further from him? See, Jesus wants all of you. He wants your brokenness. He wants your your junk. He wants all your bad stuff. He wants all of my bad stuff because he's not afraid of it. And not only is he not afraid of it, he he came to this world and he died on the cross for the sake of it. So we must run to him. Don't allow ourselves to back off and say, hey, I can't do this because I'm not good enough. He's not surprised by it. Fall more and more in love with him every single day. Let him be the object of your heart. And finally, as we think about mission and purpose in this world, are we dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ? As Peter would put it, are we dedicated to the name of Jesus Christ? So often as we as Christians are about everything other than the gospel. We're about the service rather than the one in which we serve. We're about the receiving rather than the giving. We're about the knowledge rather than the one who knows all. We're about the theology rather than living out the implications of that theology. See, if we align ourselves with God's heart, if we are in love with him and about living for him, then we cannot be helped with being consumed with his mission in this world. Brothers and sisters, we are here for a purpose. Jesus came for a purpose. God was about human beings. He was about restoring his creation. He was about bringing those who, far, who are far off back to him. 
He was consumed with God's purpose for salvation, his missions for salvation, and his message for salvation. And God has called each and every one of us to carry forth that mission in this world. What are we doing with it? It's so easy to get complacent. We live in a society where we don't feel like we have needs. We are so in need. And not only are we so in need, so is everyone around us. And the only thing that will bring peace to this world, the only thing that will bring about true change in this world has to start with here. And the only thing that can deal with this is God himself. And we need to be about that. Amen? All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that this place, that you would use this place, that you would use this body, that you would use your people to bring times of refreshing, life, healing, salvation to this place, God. Lord, I pray that we would be all in on you, Lord. God, forgive us for keeping you at arm's distance. Forgive us, Lord, for for doubting the God that you are, thinking that you're not big enough, Lord. God, forgive us for loving other things. God, I pray that you would stir in us, Lord. And God, that out of brokenness, just like out of the brokenness of Peter, Lord, that you would set our hearts on fire for you, God. That nothing else would matter in this world, Lord. God, I pray as we go from this place, Father, that we would truly and authentically live for you in every aspect of life. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails it never